Well, welcome to the Beyond Sunday's podcast. I'm your host, Brett Stewart, and today's episode is awesome. It's one that you're going to want to listen to multiple times. It's also one of our longer episodes, but I guarantee you that time is going to go by so quickly. There's just such great conversation and content, resources, and practical tips. We sat down with Jennifer Smotherman. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed professional counselor, and a registered play therapist. In today's episode, we talk about how to identify anxiety within our children and, as parents, how we can identify it, how we can help the process, things to look for, and just so much more. A lot of what Jennifer talked about, we will include those resources in the show notes, but let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode. All right, today we have with us Jennifer Smotherman, but first, my co-host for today is the one, the only, Jeffrey Blake Turner. Why do you always go middle names? Nobody cares about my middle name. <laughs> That's Nobody true. Nobody really probably but, cares about my first name. But the ironic point. thing is my my older brother, well, he's my only brother, his name's Jeffrey Blake, but he doesn't... I forget that. He doesn't spell it weird like you. And he also goes by Blake. And he goes by Blake. So, so, so it matters to him, doesn't to me. Yeah. Anyways, there we've go. got Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing? Good. I'm excited. I'm at, I've got... So we get to the opportunity to talk to Jen. She's going to tell a little bit about herself here in a second. But I'm excited because I'm going to use this as like a free counseling session for <laughs> me as I learn how to better parent my kids. Because I often in this journey... I mean, we're we're in the middle of a series uh, at church talking about how we how we win the war with our mind. And, uh, and I often feel like I swing the bat and miss when it comes to parenting my kids and their anxiety mm. and depression and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really excited to just sit and listen a lot. This yeah, morning. for sure. I might just have to have Jennifer on more often so I can have free counseling sessions <laughs> there also. There you go. <laughs> but Jen, tell us, who are you? What do you do? How long have you been in Abilene at Beltway? And anything else you want to share? Thank you. So I'm Jennifer Smotherman, as you said, and I have been at Beltway since 1997. Wow. So a long time. Almost like OG days. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was still in the chapel, wasn't it? We were in the oh, chapel. Oh, definitely oh, chapel yeah, days. Yeah, we were in the chapel. So I think, I don't remember when I actually joined, mm-hmm. but When started. did David get here? He was He, he was came already in 98. Oh, you okay. beat David here. I got here so a few months So you tell him before. that. You can, tell, you can hold it over his head that like you had to vote for him to get his job. I did. There you go. Yes. Wow. Did you vote no? <laughs> oh, man, that was... Okay, we can move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't vote no. We were There's so a great glad. Story. We were if so you, glad to have David come. If you ever get the chance to hear David talk about that story, you need to ask him about it because the first vote they opened was a no vote. The very first one they opened. Fantastic. It was? like, I'm feeling great. No, the, the very first, and I think it was like one of the only ones. But oh, my goodness. Yeah, there you go. You got some old Beltway trivia today. Old Beltway, yes. So that's so, cool. I didn't realize y'all awesome. have been around that long. We've been here a long time. Yeah. And then let's see, what do I do? I'm a marriage and family therapist, professional counselor, registered play therapist over at Ministry of Counseling and Enrichment. And I have been working there since 98. Wow. So I've been actually seeing clients since about 2000. So a little okay. over 20 years. Okay. And I've, of course, worked with families, individuals, and lots and lots of kids yeah. as a play therapist. Is there a sp- specific age range that like play therapy is, is best for? Or Play therapy is going to be actually doing play with kids is probably going to be itty bitty 
all the way up to probably middle, late elementary. Okay. You know, so it kind of depends. That question kind of is dependent on the kid. It, you know, because sometimes we have kids who are like in fifth grade and they're like, I don't play anymore, you mm, know, and so yeah. we're going to shift and do something a little bit different with them yeah. when they get to that age. But usually up to about 10 ish. But then sometimes I'll have we'll we'll do playful interventions mm-hmm. all the way up into adulthood, yeah. you know, expressive, creative, playful interventions. Cool. But play therapy itself probably up to about 10-ish. Is is play therapy like a relatively new thing? I feel like I've heard about it more in the last, you know, five, 10 years, but Mm -hmm. it may have been around for a long time. Oh, it's been around a long, long time. Very long time. I think what you're probably seeing more of is people actually being certified in it. Oh, okay. In mm. the and so the certification, although it's been around for a long time, hasn't been something that's been really familiar in Abilene. Okay. You know, or yeah. in West Texas. But it's cool. It's just a. Uni- I mean, I. I one of my friends, his mom is a registered play therapist in mm-hmm. Alabama, and so I got to talk to her about it and like hear. Yeah. It's just so foreign to my brain, and yet it makes sense. Like having little kids and knowing the way they play with stuff, that exactly. it may, logically it makes sense of how that would open a door for them to be willing to exactly talk about hurts mm-hmm. and stuff going on in their own. Yeah. Spirits. So we think about play being the language that children use, and so we're we are entering their language when we enter yeah. into play with them instead of asking them, of course, to sit on a couch and talk adult language. Like they're not going to connect with that. Mm-hmm. Their brains aren't wired and developmentally they're not ready for that yet yeah yeah that's cool so there is a stigma that comes with counseling or when you know people have the conversation of counseling or they need to go to counseling what would you say to those who maybe feel like that that they want to or they should but they're also afraid that that means there's something like significantly wrong with them what would you say to that that kind of stereotypical stigma that that comes along with the recommendation of counseling. So in my first session with everybody I see, I think I I try to say, I don't see crazy people. Mm -hmm. I see regular people. They're just like you, just like me, just like your friends. And counseling is about figuring out what's, what's not, working, what's going on here that's causing a problem or a barrier in your life and finding a way to get past that. Mm-hmm. It is it is as simple as that. Yeah. So I I'm excited, super excited that Beltway is again taking on mental health mm-hmm. and really trying to speak to the importance of mental health because we're we are integrated. So mm-hmm. our mental health is connected to our physical health, is connected to our spiritual health, is Absolutely. connected to our relational health. You know, we are we are integrated people. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about, should I go to counseling or not? If you have a barrier, if there's something that you're having trouble working through, working around, counseling is a good place to do that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love that you say it's connected. I, that, I think that's something that we often forget as we just move about our day-to-day, but the physical is connected to the spiritual and to the mental and to the emotional, and it, it just all plays together. Um, so speaking of that, do you have like any recommendations to your the people that you see for things outside of just counseling? Like, Do you recommend them 
exercising or eating oh, better? Yeah. Definitely or? not exercise. I well, think Jen and I talked about it before. The gym, <laughs> you can't, that's a bad, that gives you more anxiety. Here's the thing uh, for everyone <laughs> listening. Outside. If Jeffrey worked out the amount that he talked about <laughs> loathing I, working be, out, I would be, he would be. Jeffrey, you should come on a walk with I'd me be. sometime. <laughs> so this is a great Jen's motherman thing. I, my parents live close to Jen and her husband and or their family and, I constantly go, we go to my parents' house because they have a pool and mm-hmm. I don't. So therefore we're swimming. Right. And so you just admitted to everyone that one of the main reasons you go to your parents' house is for the pool. Well, my parents have attested that they would much prefer to be grandparents than they ever did parents. So I'm fine with that. But the I see Jen and her husband and their kids walking their dog every single time I'm there. It is incredible how much they walk outside, which if I did that too, you know, same yeah. deal as going to the gym, I'd be in a lot better shape. Yeah. So yes, I do recommend moving, moving your body. Mm-hmm. And, and actually what research shows, Brett, is that if you can move both sides of your body, so bilateral movement mm-hmm. in any kind of rhythm, then you're actually going to calm your nervous system. Wow. And so if we're thinking about mental health at all, and we want to bring calm and de-stress, then movement is a huge key in that. And of course, we talk about things like eating healthy and taking very good care of your body because, Mm -hmm. again, it's all connected. Sleeping well, you know, getting having good sleep hygiene and good sleep routines and patterns and all of that. And then connection with other people. Like Mm. we need people in our lives, community, connection. We need people in those hard times, but we also, it is stress relieving and good mental health to be with your friends and laugh. Mm. Like the kind of laughter where in the restaurant, people are turning around looking at you like, what are y'all doing over like there? Like every time They're I'm in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, no, but that is that actually has a very calming effect mm. on our whole bodies and our whole nervous system and mental health. So uh, way more way more than just coming in and talking to someone in the office, the factors that really make a difference in you know, how is this person going to do long term? Counseling matters, but what happens outside of that office matters infinitely more. Yeah. It is so. a, it's amazing to me how, like, our bodies, I mean, sometimes they just get the wonder of how God made us. But you see in Scripture that we're told, you know, our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, so honor the Lord with your body. You see all over Scripture, especially the New Testament, the need for community. And it's mm-hmm. like the stuff Jen's saying from a from a counseling perspective yeah, is the same as, like, yeah. you see in Scripture of telling you how to be yeah. healthy, how it's, to honor God with your body. Yeah, it's, it's almost like God created us It's almost like that's that how it was supposed wow. to be. Yeah. That's, like... Intricate, purposeful design. But I love that you say that community's a big part of that. I mean, here at our church, we we emphasize community. We we emphasize being in groups, having people to to share life with one another, and even looking at scripture. I mean, God is a communal God. Like within the Trinity, within Father, Son, Holy Spirit, He is communal, and then He made us in his image, from his likeness. And so even our, our very creation, there is something in us that was created to be connected Absolutely. to others. Yeah, So Absolutely. Well, one of the reasons that why we want to have Jen today, uh, obviously, like Jeffrey said, we are currently going through a series at our church on winning the war in your mind. Um, but we brought Jen in to talk a little bit 
uh, on the side of, of children and for parents and families and how to notice things, how to help. And so, uh, Jen, I'll just kind of pass the ball to you and wherever you want to kick that off, and then we is, can ask is questions. Is anxiety and depression up in kids? I mean, are you seeing yes. you seeing that? It yeah. feels like it is, and I think yeah. some of the studies you're seeing are Is it just it kids, is, or is it, is oh, it everybody? Oh, it's everyone. Yeah. I, you know, so anxiety and depression are fairly common, more anxiety, I think, than childhood depression, it, fairly common anyway in, in kiddos and teenagers. But we're definitely seeing an uptick after we've gone, yeah, gone through the pandemic. Mm. After you know being being isolated and and everything being off and different, and you know what I mean. So yeah. we we tend to be creatures, especially kiddos, tend to be creatures of habit, mm-hmm. and for everything to be different and cha- rapidly changing and yeah. all of that has had. An impact, and I think then we have kiddos who may already have a bit of a propensity or a leaning towards mm-hmm. anxiety, and then we throw in these big world problems that they that are constantly in their faces. We've got that, and they they don't necessarily have the emotional capacity to or understanding to deal with those kind of problems. Mm-hmm. And then we are of course kids are within family systems and so we have parents who are worried about mm-hmm. these big world problems that are happening and kids pick kids up kids feed off of they, that. They they are hardwired mm-hmm. to connect and know what's going on with wow. mom or dad and to be able to read their stress cues and be ready to respond to those like immediately. And so with within that whole context, yes, it's up. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are things so I've got two girls, 10 mm-hmm. and 7. So we're in like the fun fifth grade about to jump into middle school like you know uh, all everything is happening for the fifth grader the second grader she lives on the moon so she is a space cadet often but (laughs) she loves everything loves everyone but the we're hitting the time where like you're starting to see some things that i would say maybe are symptoms of anxiety not Mm -hmm. like significant but but frequent What are things that we can look for as parents that are maybe symptoms of a kid that's having some anxiety? Yeah. So when we're talking about symptoms, some signs, that's when I'm looking for, are they avoiding certain situations? Are they, are they having any trouble talking about or identifying their feelings? Sometimes kids have a pretty short range of emotional literacy. Mm. And so it's hard for them to be able to go, this is what I'm feeling, Mm. to be able to talk about it. Um, Of course, if you have a kid who is not wanting to go to school or they're having persistent sleep problems, they don't want to go to sleep or they're having nightmares or they don't want to sleep alone after they've been sleeping alone, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, or staying asleep at night, any kind of strong worry, um, specific fears that they're ex- they're expressing needing reassurance and then of course if we're seeing anything sometimes the body is going to say more than they can say with their words yeah, so good. are we having stomach issues are we having headaches are we constantly tired you know all kinds of things like that are they having difficulty concentrating when they're in school are they zoning out um just and and really at the bottom line when we're going it, how when do i know if this is a really big deal is it 
impacting their ability to function. And when I'm thinking about their functioning, that's school, but that's also relational, that's mm-hmm. emotional, you know? So are they having trouble functioning in some way? So that's kind of the lens you view it all through is that's that's one of the big markers they that for it to be something that's just... Because like a lot of what you're saying, I'm thinking like struggling to sleep sometimes. Like my f- fifth grader struggled to sleep since she was born. Yeah. Uh, the stomach issues, headaches, some of that is... Right. Some of these you can... I mean, it's easy for me as a parent to go, I see lots of these in my kids. Right. But then then that what you're saying is that lens you kind of try to view everything through is are they able to do the things that they're supposed to do in school with the right. family, those kind of right. things. Right, right. And how persistent are yeah. those issues? So mm-hmm. are you having, you know, that those sleep issues, are they kind of coming and going? And maybe there are some triggers to those things or are they persistent? Yeah. You know, um, and is it really bothering them that they're having trouble sleeping or do they have trouble staying awake or functioning yeah. at school the next day? You, you see what I'm Or they're yeah. very irritable because they're not getting enough sleep, you know? Yeah. So it, it kind of is, we may have some of these signs and symptoms. And I think it's really important for us to consider everybody worries at some yeah. point. Like anxiety, we are hardwired to experience stress and anxiety and for our bodies to respond. So you're saying anxiety is normal. It's normal. Say that again. Anxiety is normal. Okay. Yeah, it is normal. But it's disarming a little bit. I mean, I think yeah. even because we think, I was telling my wife like two days ago, not about anxiety, but I was like, sometimes we forget that the kids are like little humans. Like yeah. they're humans still. Yes. They're just smaller. Yes. And, and I think often it's easy for me to forget that. Like you view them almost like a completely separate, be- separate being, which... At times, they're completely separate <laughs> beings, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're still humans that experience the same range of emotions yeah. that I feel, but yet it feels weird sometimes to know that they feel those kind of same things, too. Yeah. Yes, and what kind of one, one thing I think is really interesting is when we look at brain development, that downstairs part of the brain where our stress response system is housed, which God gave us because we live in this fallen world and we got to be able to respond, right? But that is the part of the brain in kids that's most developed. That upstairs part of the brain where we have like planning and reasoning and all this like high level cognitive functioning, all of that is still under construction until our kids are like somewhere between 20 and 25 years old. Yeah, You know, so... It makes a lot of sense that you have kids that respond emotionally, whether we're talking about worry or we're talking about throwing a fit, that they respond emotionally because that's the part of their that's, brain that is the most developed yeah. when they're little. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, and for those listening, I'll, I'll throw it out there. So I went through some pretty intense uh, therapy after my divorce and we'll have a podcast one day where I talk about just my journey of of that and healing and, and God's restoration in that. But that's something that I learned. Um, there were things, part of my healing was going back to that, what you called the downstairs part, mm-hmm. that part that was formed in me as a child and getting pieces of that healed, like yeah. places where I needed Jesus to to reveal himself to me. I had to go back to childhood memories and moments that I had no idea about, but these amazing God-loving professionals through a series of just conversation and questions led me to those places. 
And man, I uncovered so much. I learned so much about myself mm. through therapy and counseling. And so just another, for anyone listening, therapy's great. Counseling is great. My mm-hmm. wife and I almost always say, I feel like everybody should go to counseling. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much self-discovery there. But yeah. I, I think for parents too, one thing is feeling like, well, if I've got to take my kids to counseling, I failed them. No. And can you talk about that mm. lie that I think a lot of parents yeah. believe? Yeah. Yeah. It, again, there's no, it's going to counseling. We've got to shift that, that it's not about winning or losing, succeeding or failing as I, I am a parent. And I think when I became, I was already a therapist before I was a parent, but when I became a parent, I had this massive shift in my perspective and empathy, you know, in terms of what parents actually are going through. And as almost every parent that comes into my office, as they're talking, there's something inside of me that resonates me too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it really is, counseling really is a tool in the toolbox of many tools that parents can access to better understand themselves, their kids, their family system, what makes my kids work and tick, and what can I do to connect better with them, you know? So as someone who's trained as a marriage and family therapist, which is sometimes a little bit distinct and different from just the field of counseling, I include parents in all the work. So that doesn't mean that they're always with the kid when I'm seeing the child. But they're a part of that process. But they're a part of that process because, and this is another thing I say in the first session, almost always, problems don't happen in a vacuum. There's almost all the time, there's not just one person who is experiencing that problem. Hmm. whatever, Whatever that issue is, it might be that the child has the anxiety, but that anxiety has an impact on the entire family family. system. And so we've got to help support parents. And if if I can equip and support a parent, now I am actually helping a child probably for the rest of their lifetime with this parent, not just for an hour that I see them once a week. Yeah. You know, so... Anyway, it, it is totally a lie that there's that you have failed if you're a parent and you have to take a kid to counseling. Yeah. You yeah. haven't failed. You you take your kid to the doctor and do checkups. You t- you know I know that's what's so you take your funny kid to school about it. Yeah. We, and someone helps you educate your child, right? You and know? yet it does feel like so often it feels like people feel distinctly different about it. Taking my kid to the doctor and taking my kid to see somebody because often as parents, like I don't. I run out of the questions to ask. I don't know. I yeah. mean, it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily know how to help you. you yeah. Know. And sometimes maybe, and kind of going back to what Jen said earlier, maybe there's times where you don't even know the questions to ask to try to help put literacy or description yeah. Yeah. for the child to be able to say, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Um, so with that, okay, a parent, you're encouraging them to just be aware uh, watch your kids' patterns and habits. Mm-hmm. And so that probably means don't just send them in front of a screen all the time. You probably got to be aware as yeah. a parent. But say a parent is watching and seeing and, and they notice some stuff uh, that is off, off. Where do they go from there? Mm-hmm. And I know that could be a number of 
things depending on I guess the the physical signs exhibited but right right I think the first the first point is to do that one-to-one connection with kids there's actually been lots of research done on that and and we find sometimes that just helping kids and parents connect with one-to-one time that that can significantly reduce whatever is going on, whether it's behavioral issue and anxiety or worry or whatever, that, that that point of connection, a consistent point of connection is actually something that's really, really beneficial. When you say that, you're not saying like, you know, sitting down and having a really serious one-on-one conversation no. every time. No. Yeah, what does it that look like? One-to-one Going time. on a walk in the park. Yeah. It can yeah. Be... It could be, it could be, you negotiate that with your kids and you say, what are some fun things that we might do together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of those things might cost something and some of those things might cost nothing. And then you highlight that time together. Cause my, my hunch is actually when I sit down with parents, I find out most parents are already doing some one-on-one time with their kids, but it's being, overlooked. And mm-hmm. so we highlight it with our words. Like, honey, I've got 15 minutes. Let's do, let's set a timer so I'm able to get back to the thing I need to do, but let's do one-on-one time for 15 minutes. Or maybe you're putting your kids to bed every night and you're laying down there with them every night mm-hmm. as they're going to sleep. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. We highlight that with by saying this is our special time together. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it can also be that there's a whole there's a whole uh, theory or model that I won't go into today because it's not what we're here for, but it's called filial family therapy. Mm-hmm. And basically it just teaches parents how to do some of that play therapy at home. Mm-hmm. And it teaches how to do that connection at home. And and we've found that parents can learn how to do child-centered play therapy at about the same level that a trained therapist oh, wow. can which is really cool. And that connection, again, that's another way to spend time with your kids that that connection can really bring down anxiety, depression, behavioral problems, you know, all kinds of things like that just by spending time together. Yeah, that's good. I I think too, something that I've learned and I I think I looked it over in some of the notes that you sent, uh, there's there's something about a sense of safety, Mm -hmm. of feeling safe. Mm -hmm. And so even just that one-on-one time with a parent, it it creates a sense of of safety, like you're loved, you're seen, I'm with you. Um, And maybe sometimes, probably not sometimes, all the time, the things that come out in us that are healthier, maybe a little off as far as our emotions or our, our mental state, probably come from us feeling unsafe for mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. Would you say that that most most problems of anxiety or fear or worry? I mean, those are all kind of connected. Does that does it come down to feeling unsafe? Is there is there more to that, or is that a pretty good way to? summarize it. I, I think in when we're thinking about just normal anxiety mm-hmm. that we experience normal anxiety when felt safety is off. Mm-hmm. So felt safety is really how I'm re- how safety is resonating within me, mm-hmm. you know? Um and we we experience that sense of safety definitely within the context of our secure attachments. 
So we have a secure base. We're wired for attachment. We're wired for connection. That could be a whole nother very long podcast that y'all are talking about. That could be a podcast series. Yes, attachment. So anyway, within the context of that secure attachment and and with that secure base, then we do feel safe. Now, I want to be clear, though. Sometimes you have clinical anxiety Mm. or clinical depression, and it goes way beyond beyond that. that. And so... And and I say that because I don't want parents who are being very intentional in showing up and connecting and attaching, and then they still have kids who are experiencing high levels of anxiety or depression or whatever Mm -hmm. to think there's something wrong with me and how I'm attaching. Yeah, I mean, there are are people who need to take medicine for their anxiety and depression. And that's, I think that's another thing which David's talked about when we did... um, whatever series the we did anxious for nothing but that wasn't the name of it i can't think of the name of it right now off the top of my head but we uh david did a series on anxiety what mm-hmm. last year two years ago years and then ago. we're doing this one on mental health right now and i know that it, last time and this time he's going to talk about that there is a a massive difference in the anxiety that a lot of people feel and the clinical anxiety that people feel that need to get medicine from a doctor and we trust right. doctors we love doctors and all that right. they're doing right um, and that's, that's okay. I mean, that's a, it is okay to need medicine for that stuff. You're not yeah. broken. A hu- you're not any more broken than the rest of us no. since right. the fall. No. So, well, and, yeah. and I think that that's an important, Jeffrey, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think that that's an important point. Really what, what I say when we're at the point where we're talking about maybe we need a referral to the medical doctor to talk about medication. It really, in that situation, it's let's get your body to work with you. Yeah. In your progress, yeah. instead of working against, against you, you That's good, yeah. all of the time, yeah, yeah. And I would even just thinking about it again, it's it's normal, just the same way that there's some people in their bodies that they need medicine because it's a fallen but world, and we need we, we need medicine to help our yeah. bodies align with what where they should be. And sometimes, for those with with their state of of you know depression or anxiety. They need medication to mm-hmm. to help with that. Just like I need medication yeah. for my allergies. I walk outside and I become like a blowfish because I react to everything. <laughs> and there's no stigma for that. Right. But people often do feel a stigma with uh, with yeah. the me- taking medicine for anxiety and depression. Okay, so we're talking practicals. Mm-hmm. You told us kind of things to watch for as yeah. parents in our kids uh, and kind of the lens to view those through. You gave us a tool, which was like just making sure you're having intentional and communicated one-on-one, one-on-one. interactions yes. with your kids. Are there any other kind of tools or practical things that we as parents can do as we navigate kids through the same emotions that we often are feeling? Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about how to narrow it down to a few. Yeah, I mean, right. you, that's probably a book. But you know, what, or, more or a series of books. books. <laughs> one of one of my favorites, and it, it may be hard to describe in words without being able to see it. But if if parents are listening and they look up the zones of regulation, it can be really helpful to be able to know what zone am I in. So blue zone, if if you color code it this way, okay. which a lot of times they do, blue blue zone is more um, on the the shutting down side. So if we're thinking about our stress response system, having the options once that alarm is turned on, we can go into fight flight freeze, faint, collapse. Mm, okay. okay. So blue is on that, uh, the other side, the freeze, faint, collapse. But before you get there, it's kind of like, 
I'm I'm disengaged. Okay. I'm sleepy. I'm worn out. I'm you know whatever yeah. zoned out. So that's blue. Bored. Yeah. Green is I'm in a space where I am feeling good. I can concentrate. I'm ready to learn, and I'm fairly calm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I may be experiencing different emotions, but I can handle. I have the capacity to cope in green. Okay. okay. Yellow is I'm moving over there into that fight or flight zone Mm -hmm. and I'm getting jittery. I'm getting a little hyper. I'm moving a bit too much or I'm, or for kids who are worried, I'm starting to feel some worry and maybe I'm beginning to feel that in my body. And then red is full alarm. And so that's when we're going to see kids. Red is like blown fuse. Yep. Fuse is blown. Lid is flipped. If we're using Dan Siegel's hand brain model, which is another good thing for parents to look at the whole brain child. Um, And so over there, we can't use logic and reason and talking it Mm -hmm. through. When we're on red, our only job is to get back to green. There's no, there's there. All we are doing is trying to figure out how do I help my child to get regulated? To calm down. So let's take that. A kid is in the red zone. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean for... Because sometimes what parent. I've tried is is just stop worrying. Eh, which is stupid. I understand <laughs> that that is... I mean, in the, in, in the in right this moment, now, right I can now, tell you I know how dumb that is. <laughs> but in the moment, it feels... Like, I had no other words to say right. except just stop worrying about some of them. Yeah. That, I but, mean, I can logically go, you no reason you need to worry about that, right, child. But, but reason is logic. upstairs yeah. part yeah. of your brain. You're so what using... is a tool that we can use to maybe try to get from red and even just working, you know, to yellow and then green? And then back to green. First of all, if you're over in red, then you're probably going to be thinking about, does this child respond better to time in? Do they need me to be close Mm -hmm. in order to calm down? Or does this child need a little bit of a time out? Do they need space? Do they? And sometimes with a time in, they don't need me to talk. They don't need me to touch. They just need me to be present. Just to be there. I'm just going to sit there. That's good. While And and sometimes when we get to red and the fuse is totally blown, Mm -hmm. and parents hate this one, but we have to just let it. Play it itself out. Yeah. Like we've got to just let the yeah, meltdown. I, don't like that. I know, but we have to, <laughs> we've got to get to a safe place. So we're not, you know, standing in target when it happens. We yeah. move out, we go right. sit in the car, we let it, we let it erupt because it gets to a point of no return sometimes. Right. And that's where as parents, we want to be able to recognize it at yellow before we're at that point. Yeah. And we want our kids to learn how to do that too. But then, so do I, do I need a time in, a time out? Do I need to be close? Do they need to have space? And then I also might want to teach my kids things like take a deep breath mm-hmm. and have a long exhale out. That actually yeah. activates the parasympathetic nervous system, the calming system of our mm-hmm. brain. Maybe we need to go take a drink. Maybe we need to walk around, get that bilateral movement going. Maybe if they're itty bitty, maybe they've got, you know, a passy or a levy or something like that that is going to be an attachment object that's yeah. going to soothe. Then once we get into that yellow zone, now we can start to put some language and and back into that green. Now we can put some language into, help me understand what's going on. Instead of don't worry about it, what... do Can you tell me more about what you're worried about? And with kids and worry, 
I have found, even with kids who they have significant enough impairment in their functioning that they end up coming to my office and seeing me. Most of the time, if I can get with them on their level and I can understand what it is that they're worried about, and then we can we can talk about that and build a plan for addressing that worry at a developmentally appropriate level yeah. in a concrete way, if we're talking about kids. Mm-hmm. So it's concrete. And then we involve the other adults who need to know about that plan. So for example, you have a kid who doesn't want to go to school. And when it comes down to it, it's, I'm afraid that something might happen to you when I'm away from school and who is going to pick me up. Yeah. Okay. So we make a pickup plan and then we get oh, the wow. teacher and grandpa both involved in it uh, because yeah. grandpa's backup plan and teacher needs to know about it. Okay. Fixed. Rolling on, you know, or I've got a kid who's very, very, very afraid of snakes because they heard about a snake bite in Abilene that was on the news, which, by the way, we need to really be censoring and monitoring what our kids get from the news. Yeah, we need to probably be censoring, monitoring what we're all getting from the news. Let's pause there. Because even things when we think kids aren't paying attention, maybe they're they're in the area, but off to the side, and it looks like they're focused on something else. They're probably listening or picking up or taking in. Remember, kids are hardwired to know what's going on with us as parents. Mm -hmm. And so they are, if they are within hearing range, they're always listening. Yeah, I learned that the hard way this week. Uh oh. (laughs) Berkeley, Sarah called my 10 year old and asked her to do something. Uh, She called the house. Berkeley didn't have a phone, Mm -hmm. but she called our house and asked Berkeley. She said, Hey, Berkeley, can you do me a favor? And Berkeley goes, it depends on what it is. And I was like, oh, man, that is something I've said a million <laughs> yeah, times. Is, I mean, there's she's fun listening. to here. Right? She's listening. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we, wanna, we want to meet them. The point of all of that is we want to, if they're able to help us understand what they're worried about, then we want to meet them and not say, you don't have to worry about that. Right. That Because they are worried about it. And yeah. so it is far more practical to go, let's make a plan to deal with that thing. And it's fine to say, Jeffrey, it's fine to say, you know what, honey, you don't have to worry about that. I've got that for you. Or that's probably never going to happen. That's just a thought. And it's probably never going to happen. But for kids, they have created this thing with their wonderful God-given imaginations. Mm -hmm. Like it can actually happen. And so having a concrete plan goes a long way. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought about that. So let's cover briefly a couple more like practical things that a parent could lead a child in, um, and then maybe we can close with if you have any possible resources that you would recommend to parents, maybe good reading, or you've already mentioned a couple things that, that maybe parents can just Google, um, you mm-hmm. know, even just talking about those color zones, the zones of regulation. Um, so first, what are maybe what are some more practical things that that you can help lead a child in who maybe let's say they're in the yellow. Mm-hmm. They kind of have a grasp mm-hmm. for what they're feeling, but they're still feeling it. How can we what are practical things that can get them back to that to green zone? Back to green. So one of the one of the things that comes to mind is uh, called name it to tame it. And so when we actually say 
the words, when we use our language mm. to say what we're feeling, we automatically move from the downstairs part of the brain up into mid or okay. upstairs. Just by just by using it, our words. It. Just by and so if we can get our kids to name it, and if they don't have the words, then we give them some choices. But that can't happen in the red zone. N- not, usually. not usually. Yeah, we gotta we gotta calm down first. It, what I want you to think about with the red zone is if the alarm goes off in your house or in the church, right? Or a fire alarm goes off. What's the first thing that we need to do? Are we safe? Mm-hmm. We figure that out first. And if we figure out this is a false alarm, which is really what oftentimes worry is, mm-hmm. if it's a false alarm, what do we do? Are we standing there talking about it? No, we got to figure out what's the code to get this alarm turned off. Right. That's it. And right. so the it's really about know the code and get back to a calmer place. We got to get the alarm to go off and then we can talk about it, you know? So name it to tame it. And then you can take that principle and you could put that into a lot of different things. That's where you could do maybe a worry box. Maybe, maybe at that point you're helping your kid to engage in prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they are going to do, if you're going to use prayer, we want to make sure in prayer that we're not just ruminating and circling around the thing that we're worried about. God, please don't let this happen. Don't let that happen. But anchoring into something about God's truth Mm -hmm. that is calming, you know? So for example, I can lie down and sleep in peace because you make me safe. God, you're the one who makes me safe. So instead of focusing on the thing that's causing a worry, focus on the truth uh, that God says. You said worry box. What is a worry box? A worry box would just be a little box, or it could be a journal where you're actually writing down the thing that you're worried about. Okay, so the way of naming it. Naming it. Naming it. Or you could do a picture. If you have a kid who is like not necessarily into writing yet, then mm. you could do any kind of expressive work, any kind of pictures. We could play it out, you know, anything along those lines. Um, another thing to know is that worries are just strings of words put together in our mind. Mm. And so we can we can help kids imagine, okay, let's put that worry in a cloud And let it like, okay, I imagine it there. And again, we're just using imagination. And now I'm going to, so I notice what's there. I'm going to let that just float out. And then I'm going to let something else come in. What else can I think about that makes me feel calm? That's and good. I'm going to focus on that. Yeah. yeah, and that even goes with the theme of our sermon series, where we're it's called flip the script, and, mm. and the idea is that we're changing the narrative that's going on in our mind, yeah. what we're focused on. I was thinking so much of what Jen was saying. You could just do as a like a grown up. Like of these are not our kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> even, I was even. like, I could use a worry box. Like I could. I don't yeah. want to oh, journal, sure. but a, a worry box sounds. When she's talking about practical. the zones of regulation, I'm like, that's good marriage yeah. counseling yes. right there. Yes. <laughs> That is, that, that is good marriage counseling. Yeah, because, I mean, we as adults, again, we get in situations where we ba- bypass the frontal I, lobe and we, we act like children because we... We have a stress response system, too. And yeah. when our alarm goes off, right, we are over in red. Yeah. And we've got to calm down before we can do anything productive. And ironically, I hate it when somebody says, don't worry about that. And that's right. the same uh, thing that I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're little humans. Well, and Jeffrey, I would say just just shifting that a little bit where you're going, honey, you don't have to worry about yeah. it. I understand that you are worried about it, but you don't have to. And here's why. Like, yeah, I'm, that's good. I've got you. And, and now we're getting back to that point of secure connection and se- yeah. secure base. That's, good. that's yeah. really good. 
Awesome. Let's wrap up with this. Are there any resources that you would um, just recommend to not even just parents, but but anyone out there? Again, several... We can try to put them in the show notes. I think we're yeah, able we'll, to. Yeah, we'll put so. them in the show notes. Um, and then obviously Jen has already covered some stuff that, that you can just Google. But what might... What's some good stuff to to look up or to read? Is there yeah. any good book on... I mean, we're, I know we're in... Uh, a book right now as a church, but like thinking about parenting kids and anxiety, is there any good book that you've read that you would know, be practical or I, I think about a couple of books that are just good parenting books. Okay. Okay. They're not specific to anxiety because I think again, if we are good at that connection and learning how to talk with our kids, then right there we're resourced and we understand a okay, little yeah, bit about how sense. kids work, then we're resourced then to be able to take it a step further and apply it to whatever the issue is. So The Whole Brain Child by Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson is one. It's it's quick, it's easy, it's short, and it has seven principles that you put into place. Awesome. Very easy. A longer book that they also wrote that's far more recent is called The Power of Showing Up. And mm. it talks about, it explains the whole bit about attachment that I was talking about earlier. And then it gets into strategies for how do we show up, connect, build attachment oh, with our kids. It's called The Power of Showing Up. The Power, power of, showing of Showing Up. Very easy read. It's a lot Just bigger. Thicker. It's a lot thicker, but it's an easy read for awesome. parents. Awesome. So, Any other resources that come to your mind or things that maybe people can Google? Yeah. So if you want to look at the zones of regulation, if you want to look at that upstairs, downstairs, hand brain model, that, that fits very well. Um, there are some great cognitive behavioral resources out there like Coping Cat um, that you, I think that they've got a website that would give some strategies. Really, if you just look at, I did a quick web search before I came in here mm -hmm. on helping your child deal with anxiety mm -hmm. or helping your child deal with depression. I know we didn't talk about that a lot today. And just kind of clicking through mm -hmm. on Google, I didn't see anything as a therapist that I thought that was garbage. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, good. I just saw lots of really good, helpful good. resources that are out there, and I think trying any of those things would be fine awesome. and helpful. And then, if we as parents get to the place that we feel like whatever we've tried, the tools we've tried are not working. That it is okay. We have not failed as a parent to mm -hmm. to get our kids in front of a therapist that can help help them unlock whatever piece is felt like it's maybe stuck or they yeah. can't get through this anxiousness or this yeah. worry, this depression yeah. they're feeling. There's not a there's not a stigma against that. That is, it's yeah. not a failure as a parent. No. It's not it's not no. a a child that's broken beyond repair. It is just using the tools that God has given some people. We know God created us each individually, and some some people have this natural ability to work with kids and have learned and been trained and all that. And, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's okay to do that. Yeah. Jeffrey, what I would say about that is for parents n not to wait until the point that they feel like they're in crisis okay. to okay. reach out, to, f to be like, okay, I can do something early maybe to prevent this from becoming, becoming something crisis. that's crisis. The other thing, sadly, we have a mental health shortage mm -hmm. in our community, really across our state, but definitely out here in our community. And so calling somebody, trying to find somebody who actually sees kids, and you're probably going to have to wait 
a, mm, yeah. a few weeks at least at a minimum before you can get in. Like it's very difficult to get in tomorrow. And so if you're seeing this building in your kids, it doesn't hurt to go ahead, make a call, get an appointment. And then if, you know, three weeks later, when it comes time for the appointment, you're like, everything's fine. We don't really need that. Then you can always call and cancel it. Yeah. You know, and, but don't wait until you are at a crisis to reach out for help. Well, and that, that's good. That mental health shortage is one of the biggest reasons. I mean, part of our 2030 vision as a church, we've got a lot of different arms to that vision, but mm-hmm. one of them is a counseling center targeting kids and teenagers yeah. because there's, there is such a huge shortage of people who have been trained and specialized in, in, doing therapy with kids and counseling kids. And, and so if you want to know more about that, you can go to beltway.org, I think it's slash 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see kind of the different aspects of our 23rd division. Lots of them don't have anything to do with this, right. but because when a kid goes into the foster system, part of the expectation is that they then are meeting with a counselor and they're just right now, it's, it, it's just so it's difficult hard. at times to it, get into it them. It can so. be hard to get in. So, and, and just for the kid's sake and for your own sake, you don't want to necessarily show up to therapy in red. Yeah. It's better to show up in yellow yeah. where you have some space and capacity to calmly figure out what's going on here. Yeah. And, and get to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jen, you can bill my office. Uh, I mean, this has been <laughs> awesome for me. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're definitely going to have to have Jen back on because, I mean, everything we covered could be a, an episode or like yeah, that was a 30,000 foot each. view of, yeah, felt like a lot of things. A absolutely. Of but things, I, yeah. I think that you gave a lot of great insight and resources um, and even practical things for, for parents to, to start, um, you know, with their children on in this journey of, of restoring um, and creating healthy mental health. So, Jen, thank you so much yes, thank for you. this. You're and yeah, we'll definitely have you back on. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Well, thanks again for listening to today's episode with Jennifer Smotherman. I told you it was going to be an awesome episode, and it was. That time passed by so quickly. This is an episode that you're going to want to listen to multiple times over and over. And I would also encourage you, share it with friends, share it with family, share it with anyone that you know. The resources and some of the content that Jennifer talked about, we will include in the show notes, and we will definitely have Jennifer back on the show. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you can stay up to date with the latest episodes of the Beyond Sundays podcast. And go ahead and follow us on social media. Follow at Beltway Park on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Beltway Park Church, so that you can stay up to date with the messages, the sermons, the teachings, the testimony videos, and all the other content that we put out every week. We hope you have a blessed day. Have a great week. And remember, God is moving in your life beyond Sundays. (laughs) 